Hello again, everyone. My name is Mike Cisneros, and this is Cincy Brewcast. Joining me on this edition of our program is our beer blogger and co-host, the man who is synonymous with anonymous and who admits to a torrid beer glassware fetish, the gnarly gnome. Gnome, welcome. Good to be back. And again, joining us is the queen of Cincy Craft Beer commentary, our professional from the industry, from both behind the bar and table side, the lovely and talented Miss Tina Cisneros. Ahoy, ahoy. We'd like to welcome our podcast listeners, and we'd especially like to welcome our live broadcast viewers on Periscope TV worldwide. I'd like to remind everyone that they can download the free live Periscope TV viewer from app, for Apple devices, rather, from the App Store, and now most recently for Android devices from the Google Play Store or any Android app provider. Tonight, we have a very special guest who will join us tonight for the second in our series of crap of in-depth interviews, excuse me, I wrote this down, I still can't read it, with the founders of the Cincinnati craft beer movement. He founded, owns, and operates one of the most popular craft beer brands of the tri-state, which burst onto the Cincy craft scene in 2011. He is Scott LaFollette of Blank Slate Brewing. Scott, welcome to Cincy Brewcast. Thanks for having me, guys. We will be grilling Scott in a few minutes, but without further ado, let's root around inside the ice box and see what we can get from the beer fridge. And we have some very, very delicious offerings tonight. Uh, uh, one of them brought to us uh, by Scott himself, and uh, it is, I guess, your latest release from... Uh, uh, in collaboration with uh, Orchids at Palm Court Restaurant, and that is a Flourish. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so Flourish is our uh, second collaboration beer in a series of four that we're doing with uh, the folks at uh, Orchids at Palm Court, uh, Todd Kelly and his, his staff. Uh, they're, it's, if you don't know about it, Orchids is a, is a great kind of Cincinnati treasure. Uh, it's the only five-diamond-rated restaurant in the entire state of Ohio. I guess the five diamond thing kind of took over for the mobile five star whenever that went away, I guess. Uh, anyway, it's, it's a really cool place. They do some really interesting, interesting stuff. So we kind of collaborated on a couple of beers and this is the second in the series. It's called flourish. Uh, the naming kind of follows the seasonality of, of, uh, how a flower goes, you know, goes through its uh, life cycle. So the first one, the spring was bloom. This one's flourish. Uh, this is an agave lime alt beer. Uh, so we, the way this beer kind of came about actually was uh, we kind of ran into a bunch of free agave. <laughs> so I'd been trying to figure out what I wanted to do with it. And uh, one of the thoughts I had was to kind of play off of the uh, a little bit of a Mexican influence. Like you think of like a, a Mexican amber lager uh, mixed with tequila. So that's where the lime and the agave come in. But I really didn't want to make just a mexican lager because number one it takes a long time and it really isn't worth it because it's kind of a crappy style to begin with <laughs> so uh, that's I'd, what i like that's the kind of hard-hitting commentary we like <laughs> so i so i was like well I, i've been wanting to make an alt beer for a while so like well let's do it as an alt beer because it's it's in that same kind of genre uh, but it's it's a little easier to make and it's something i've got a little more experience with and 
I really want to get the name alt, alt beer out there because mm-hmm. it's a nearly extinct style right. uh, that I wish wasn't so. So with this beer, you get you'll get that malt base. It's got a very uh, crisp and dry finish. It's not a big malty sweet beer. Uh, but we actually uh, used agave in the boil, uh, so it fermented, and then we actually back-sweetened it a little bit with some as well. And then the lime, we actually use these really crazy things they call finger limes, which is something they're using in the restaurant. Right. And they look like uh, literally like your finger, and you slice them open, and they're like caviar inside. Wow. Of these little balls, and they're like super concentrated lime flavor. Wow. So, so we use. I've never, so we, I've never heard of that in I've my nev- life. I've never heard of them either, but like we always try I thought to, you were going to say key limes or something yeah. like something, you know, pedestrian well, like yeah. that. Well, I didn't know what they were either. I mean, that, we try to incorporate something the restaurant is doing. So it's something, it's, a, it's something that they've been playing with and they've been working with in a lot of dishes. So we wanted to incorporate, you know, something that they were, they were working with. So we got some of that from them. We also added some additional regular lime as well. Uh, just to kind of to bump it up a little bit. We didn't want it to be over the top, you know, lime or anything like that. We wanted it to be kind of like, you know, that that the Mexican kind of lager. The finish with a little is bit. fun. Like it finishes, it starts kind of with that agave and mm. then goes to the lime and kind of drifts back and forth. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's fun. I, I get the like the that we I, when I think we discussed it last week. I get kind of the lime yeah, the peel. Hand. I got kind of the lime peel bitterness. And the, 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 the aroma is fantastic. It's real floral and, and real delicate, and, and I really like that too. Well, yeah, and I think there's a little bit of a tartness back there that's hiding unless you look for it. Maybe it's, it's really the maybe it's the bitterness that you're talking about, but I th- it's a little bit I th- I find it a little bit more fruity, a little bit more kind of on the tart side than the bitter side. Really yeah, and that's good. that's some of the flavor that you're getting from that agave. And the sweetness, the sweetness too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right at, right at the very end. So right yeah. at, right, you know, right at the very end. Yep. Yeah, because I don't think I actually know what straight agave tastes like. So, uh, well, it's 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 a got it's a. Is this the plant itself, or is this well, the it's, sugar? Or, so I, what we what we actually use is uh, agave nectar. Okay. So it's basically uh, you know an extracted and reduced. You know when they when they take the agave and they like crush them and squish them and all this just juice comes out of them and that's what they use to make tequila and right. stuff. They'll also take and kind of cook it down. Think of it like um, like malt syrup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean this stuff's actually like the consistency of molasses. Right. Uh, and it's, so it's it's and it's a little bit similar in flavor, but it's a lot it's a lot lighter and kind of a lot more fruit forward and, and where does one just run into a free supply of this <laughs> I, it sounds like it's very I'm expensive not, uh, product to, i'm not uh, a, i'm not a, at liberty to say uh, okay, um, that's but there enough. was there was uh i was in the right place at the right time and black man, market man to get some all right well that is the flourish from blank slate it's it's uh, very good i really enjoy it it's got a nice it's got it's really really i mean it's really really different i mean it's off it's off the it, beaten path. It, yeah, I feel like it would be really good with food. That's you know my first instinct. What are they? Yeah, what's, that's the idea. There. What are they pairing pairing it with down there? Um, I don't know that they're specifically pairing it with a dish. Um, I think it it's just they're tying trying to tie it in with you know several different things they've got going on. Yeah. Uh, but it's not necessarily that they're they're saying oh you should get this dish and drink and drink this with it. Um, they 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 change stuff all the time. They're always doing different things <laughs> weekly. So. I'm not really sure. I can it probably sense, changes I, every time. I can sense that it would be excellent with Mexican food, something a little hot and spicy. Tacos is a little too easy, but uh, it would be really good. Uh, time. Yes, tacos, <laughs> or maybe something Spanish like paella, or uh, or uh, uh, or like fresh seafood, like a fresh, uh, like a raw seafood almost uh, yeah. would be good with oysters with uh, uh, some uh, chipotle uh, 
Tabasco sauce, which is one of my favorites. So, okay, let's go on to the next one. And what we've got next, is it going to be you? Um, it can be, sure. Uh, it's very exciting. And Tina, tell us about what you uh, have uh, for us here. All right, well, um, just hanging out at Matry, you know, like I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had the um, the bourbon barrel aged coffee and vanilla access Monday release on Thursday, I believe. Um, yeah, Thursday. So I had um, I picked up one of those and I had a bourbon barrel aged access Monday from the very first bottle release in the fridge that you know it's kind of maybe holding on to but not necessarily trying to age um, and just thought that it would be kind of fun to do a vertical side by side of that bad boy so. Um, here we go. Let's light this. Let's light this candle. <laughs> I have. What well, are you doing? What is that? <laughs> okay, so from the last time, from the very first Axis Monday bottle release, um, it was going. It was going like hotcakes. It was selling. <laughs> so I popped in for lunch, and I had to go to work, and so I was like, okay. I'm going to buy this, but I'm not going to keep it in the fridge, or I'm not going to keep it in the car while I'm at work, so I'm going to keep it in the walk-in at um, Madry. And they were like, well, make sure you put a note on it to make sure that it doesn't get sold or, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> and the note says, Tina Cisneros beer, do not sell, do not drink, do not fuck with. This means you, James. <laughs> Because J- James Connor behind the bar is um, sort of a shyster. And they did. They ended up, um, if you can pass me some of those glasses, they ended up getting an empty bottle, tying the little note to it, <laughs> and saying that they drank it. And, oh, I'll pay you back. Oh, well, you know, I apologize. But we just had to. We had to. We were out, and we really, really wanted it. I need more. Now, even now, even though even though you have both of these uh, bottles sealed, you have had both of these beers as well. Am I? Am I? Is that true, or am I? Yes, that's incorrect? true. Correct me. That's true. So have you guys had it? So no, I have no, I have not. Um, I have. I haven't tried the newest one yet. Uh, okay. I have a bottle of the first one, but I haven't cracked it yet, and I haven't had the second one either. Right. Oh, we're sorry, we're spoiling. No, you're not spoiling. <laughs> no, you're not spoiling for me at all. I'm actually. How many do we have? Excited to try them both side by side. Five. Five. We have five. Five. Okay. Six. Six. Six people. Six people. I didn't have time to go wait in line on Thursday, so I didn't get the. Uh, oh, the you know what? I'm a little bit. You got to know somebody. I think. <laughs> well, the people who go wait in line are a little bit. I don't know. They're a little too eaten up with it. If you ask there was me. free hop water in line. Did you see that? No. Brilliant. No, brilliant. I did not see. For everybody that. waiting in um, line, they were out there handing out hats and T-shirts and bottles. Hi to everybody well, from Hot Water, from, by the way. From what I've heard, it was just sort of like people were tailgating in the Mad Tree pa- parking pass lot. Pass over to him. There. Like, tail, like tailgating the bottle release, which is just like... And this is the original, right? It's a little weird to me. So, it's going okay. to be like concert right. tickets. Now, this but, is the first one, So right? this is the first one. This is the just original barrel-aged Axis Monday that re- was released. What it was smells it like? like bourbon. The, yeah. The tricky thing for me was always, you know waiting in line at the brewery on noon on a Thursday to get a beer <laughs> that today you can get in every beer store in town. Yeah, it, exactly. It right. It's just... Now, in three days it might be sold out, but today you can but get you it don't pretty need to much s- everywhere. They, yeah, apparently people like the line started at like 10 in the morning. And it's like, guys, get a life. Don't you have jobs? Like, don't you have places to be? 
Like, gosh. It's a social <laughs> event too, you know. I Yeah, yeah. I I have, you know, I, I I've gone after work before, but bourbony, sweet on the aroma, very bourbony. Yeah. Boozy. Does it say on there at all how long it was in the bottle? Or in the uh, barrel, sorry. Um, I do not know. Let's see. They say that on there or not? I don't know if they did. Mm. Can, can you tell as a as a beer judge, as a Cicerone, as somebody that, you know, uh, well, drinks professionally? <clears throat> so I mean, I, speak? I can take an educated guess, but I mean, I'm. It doesn't know, say. I got a 50-50 chance still, yeah. probably. Yeah, that's true. I mean, something like this. This this tastes like it was in the barrel for quite a while just because it's, it's picked up a lot of bourbon flavor and a lot of heat. Uh-huh. Um, I find that the longer you let it sit in the barrel, the more of that kind of bourbon burn and heat you'll, okay. you'll, you'll okay. extract out of it. Like if you just kind of let it, quote unquote, kiss the barrel where it's only in there for a very short period of time, you'll just pick up some of the kind of the lighter aromas and the very lighter flavors out of the barrel. If you let it sit in there for a good long time, then it takes on a lot more of that just bourbony bourbon right, barrel character. Right. That I frankly don't find very appealing. Well, it's all. I, I mean, mean, it's all personal preference. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. this. I think it's. It does. I mean, I would assume that this is this was one of the first ones they put in barrels when they got barrels. So whenever that was. Now the second one I'm handing out is the. Latest. So this is the coffee and vanilla one, and I think you'll like it a l- if you aren't super huge fan of the bourbon taste. This one's a lot less bourbony, um, and sort of the, the the vanilla really kind of mellows it out a lot. I think. I mean, I don't know if it was their intention or not, but I would say with the the first one, um, I'm I'm actually glad I got to taste this because now the, the bottle I have, I'm gonna take and put in my cellar for a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's kind of a lot of people were getting, you know. One to drink now, one to hold on to, and one to age. Yep, it's and always then, a good plan. And then again, we reviewed a coffee beer. Oh, gosh, have we, you know, we should write all this stuff down. <laughs> you, I think you do. I've got to write um, down somewhere. <laughs> Triggers uh, remember where you put the notebook. That down. was very similar to this. It's, it t- smells like it smells like coffee with cream. It smells like coffee with cream mm. and sugar, which is what I drink for bre- you know for breakfast every day. So. Now, and it's really. I did hear a rumor appealing. too that there might be some bottles of the original Axis Monday stashed away at mad tree somewhere i'm oh, sure really? there, there probably is i would heard, imagine yeah heard a rumor so take it for what it is i like this i get i like a nice i think the coffee gives it a really nice bitterness um it's it kind of comes off dessert like you know yeah. it's like a some kind of bourbon cake yeah but there's no there's there's no bur- was this barrel age too mm-hmm. oh yeah, it was okay yeah. it's the same beer yeah. it's just all right Yep. I just don't, just know, don't know if it's the same coffee. age or not, but it's the same beer, yeah. Yeah. A- you mean aged for as long as I, yeah, I don't know if yeah. I don't know if it was from the same barrels, you know, aged for the same amount of time in the same barrels, uh, and then that'll this a, added to that'll it. That would be a not. good question. The aroma and everything of the, of the second one is, is just a lot more appealing to me. I think it's a lot more. If you have a little more complexity there yeah, with all the other yeah, things that have been agree. added. Now we're going to go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I was going to say, now that maybe one that we should have had first, or maybe not after drinking barrel-aged beer. I've got a glass you can reuse if you need to. Oh, uh, we've got oh we never do that here. That's that's, <laughs> that's for Neanderthals. <laughs> I'm just trying to be. We, I'm, just trying to be a, I'm just trying to be a might gracious need to guest. Eventually here. That's very. I'm pale. excited to try this. All right, one. so tell us about it, Noam. This is the glow from Rheingeist. 
which is their single hop whole melon, which is a huge fan of that trophy down at uh, Braxton. I'm really, really excited to see kind of their approach to it. And again, the trophy is done with the same. Yeah, it's the same that does German whole melon hops. The, the trophy was a single hop, I think, wasn't it? I don't know if this is. As I think well it's or supposed to be. Is, I don't know. I've, I think so. I haven't read that far into it. I don't know. Yep. Okay, well, there we go. Brewed in collaboration with the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, this single hop whole melon and pale ale radiates with notes of summer melon and strawberry. So they did brew this for luminosity. Yes. Which one is that? That's soon, soon. isn't it? This coming week. Sometime in the next couple weeks. This, this next weekend, maybe. And I just look how beautiful this this I love the label is. That's the that's the music hall. If you can see it on Periscope. The music hall the uh, music stained hall. glass window or the yeah. music hall. Uh, well, that's beautiful. I wish this was a little colder too, because what I think is so neat about these these hops is that they really do change as the temperature does. It gets more more of that citrus as it warms up versus when it's cold you get all that melon and berry flavors but this is good yeah that's really good it's it's definitely there's a little less body than what the uh, the trophy has it's kind of a i mean it, it showcases the hop i guess yeah you're right i wish it was colder mm. so does bocce he thinks <laughs> god bless Someday we'll have this dog out of the studio. It's really easy drinking, though. I can imagine sitting on the lawn of the uh, of the at Washington Park watching the a, event out of a, pa- and, a paper bag and drinking a bottle like this. <laughs> you can drink uh, in Washington I'm, Park. I'm guessing they'll have a draft truck there hey. with kegs of plenty for the event. Did I say they wouldn't? I just said have a paper bag. <laughs> That's how we roll. No. Now, are you allowed to have glass in that yeah. park? I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Probably not. Probably, yeah. I would say probably not. But all right, is that that's why you have the paper bag? That's right. Is that our? Uh, is is that our? The extent? No, of we our, got one more. We have. A, we oh have my gosh. We have um, clothesline from Urban Artifact. Oh my, that's right. They're uh, rye saison. If we well, have enough we, glasses, we have somebody here that knows a little bit a little bit about rye saison. I haven't had that one. I'm excited <laughs> to try it. Of course, the rising up is one one of your more uh, popular and and I guess beloved beers. Everybody I talk to talks about how good it is and how much they like it. And it, it has so, a small but loyal following. Yes, the people that the people that drink it that I know that drink it all the time drink it drink it all the time. That's all they get when they go in. So that's that's what I get. Are we out of glass? That's mine. Um, no, we'll be all right. I don't know. We'll be all I right. reused my paleo class. On, Scott? As, as I'll just use my <laughs> little... Uh... We have glasses right here. We're okay. Well, it's all right. I'm using your Braxton glass. Definitely has it, that, it has that, that funky... Wild, it has that wild uh, aroma, you know, of, of, of wild yeast. Like, just, like, s- like smelling it makes my... my so my salivary glands start to like <laughs> pucker up. But really nice, easy drinking. Not that rice spiciness not, is awesome. Not, yeah. you know, not sour or tart like a lot of their, you know, like some of their other right. ones are. This would come from the other side of the board, the 
the wild side versus the wild, the, the, wild the, the, the tart side. Which did you hear about the? Um, did you read about the uh, stout they're going to do? I did. Yeah, very interesting. All right. That's nice. Yeah, really, like the rye spiciness and the f- sort of floral. Yeah, a little All floral, works, yeah. a little sweetness, a little sweetness to it as well that I like. It's a little minty too. Yeah. Wow. See, that's the. the <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a trained palate. It's, it's, see, all, well, it's always funny when somebody says something like that, then all of a sudden just smacks you in the head. Oh my god, how did I not taste that? <laughs> I. <laughs> I, 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 for me to sit there and go, oh yeah, that would be a lie. I, I, I don't. I don't know. know I'm kind of getting it. Like it's like a, like a fresh mint, not yeah. like a not like a spiciness, but yeah. sort no, of that no, no. earthiness. Yeah, yeah, like that, just a minty. Like yeah, a, yeah, like a yeah. I get it. Winter green. Oh yeah, now I get so, it. That's all I get now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All it's, right. it's subtle. Mm-hmm. But, Again, yeah. the last two, the 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 the, the first the the. Um, I think we did go in the wrong order here. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but the but the but the the first one, you know, good. The, the, then the middle kind of two there with the axis was uh, really on the he- heavier. And then the last two we we had are, are, were nice kind of summer easy easy drinkers uh, that would be great on a hot. Oh yeah. On a hot summer's day or a warm summer's evening. That clothesline, I think, would be really good in the, the fall too. You know, it's got some of mm-hmm. those other other flavors. Yeah. That... Yeah, like you can sit outside. It's not like too cold to sit outside just yet, but it's still right. there's a little All a right. little bite in the air. All right. Well, everybody, that was from the beer fridge. And now we get to talk to Scott LaFollette of Blank Slate Brewing even more so than we already have been. Um, oh, I thought we were done. Well, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. That's all we do. No, we still got. <laughs> no, we, we still got. A, we, we still got another hour of heavy slog to go. No, <laughs> hey, no worries. Um, um, I can talk all night. You're probably gonna have to kick me out of here. Some, some <laughs> I guess everybody, a lot of people out there know the story. Um, we talked. We talked to a lot of brewers. Uh, in the last just short period of time that we've been doing this. And a lot of them talk about how important their families and friends were in their decision to transition from home brewer to turning it into a business, whether it was the encouragement of saying, oh, this stuff is really great, or, and you need to sell this, or, you know, you need to make, we need to start making money. You need to sell this or something. Uh, does that hold true for, for you as well? Or is it something a little bit different or, I mean, yeah, to some extent, I mean, you've got to have that support system, um, just to get you through, you know, the low times, the high times, all of that. Um, I mean, for, for me, it was, it was certainly supportive friends and family saying, Hey, you know, you, you make good beer, you should sell this, or I'd buy this, or whatever. Uh, but a lot of it, too, was, you know, your friends are going to always kind of be nice to you. So, like, <laughs> you know, when you, if, if your friend who you'd only Never drink... Never met my friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mine are you know, so mean. <laughs> if, if your friend, you know, only usually only drinks Bud Light, and then you give him a couple homebrews and get him drunk, he's like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> you know, that doesn't... That's not necessarily the start of a business plan. Um... But yeah, that was a big important part of it for sure. You know, just the support and encouragement through the years of friends and family, and especially my wife, 
for whom none of this would have ever happened uh, without her support in a lot of ways. Isn't a lot that of ways. always true, though? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. To the wives. Yes. yes. To the wives. Cheers to them. <laughs> to you guys on the video, you can see us. I, but yeah, it, you know, that's, that's certainly out. that's certainly an important part of things. Uh, absolutely, you've got to have that stuff. You've got to have that support of people to helping you out. I mean, when we when we built out uh, the brewery, I moved into a small little warehouse space that literally had nothing in it. There was not a single piece of drywall in the place. Uh, you know, no equipment, obviously, no nothing. The um, you know the electric there was uh, power to an electrical panel, and nothing outside of that. Uh, so everything we did, we literally had to, you know, put in there and the first round of, you know, getting up and going was almost primarily done by myself and friends and family. I mean, we, we hung drywall for like three straight weekends, uh, you know, just help of friends and, you know, my dad and my mom and all those people, you know, just, so just the physical labor even, and then the support that comes with that, uh, just to get up and going. Yeah. was huge part of it what 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 was what was the beer that did it for you was it one particular beer i know we talked to bob bolus at fibonacci he mentioned that one particular beer of his and everybody went this is amazing you've got to sell this and the same from the guys down at darkness Darkness in bellevue said the same thing that you know constant just you know so was there one of the particular beers one of the recipes something maybe you don't even do anymore um, it wasn't anything particular, because um, I mean a lot of what I did was you know okay you're making beer and you give it to your friends and they say oh this is great blah 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 blah, but I mean I was a pretty serious home brewer for a dozen years so I was entering beers and competitions for a long time, uh, so some of the things that came out of enter- entering beers and competition were really where I kind of gauge myself as all right we know how to make this beer. We know we've made this a few different times and meddled with it at different events. Okay. That's another level of validation beyond just your friends think it's good. Sure. Um, so it wasn't so much, you know, any one particular beer. It was, there was a few different things. And for really, for me, it was the fact that, all right, you know, if I really set my mind to it and I say, I'm going to figure out how to make a classic example of an alt beer. And I'll brew it a couple of times till I get it right. And I enter it in a competition and it wins a medal. Uh, then I say, okay, let's brew a classic example of a sweet stout, and we enter that, and it makes it, and it wins a couple of medals. That's really kind of where I put my focus. It was like, all right, let's learn how to brew, not just learn how to brew one thing or luck into a, a good recipe that people like. It's let's break everything about brewing down to its most basic parts and figure out from there how to put things back together in a way to make something that we want to make. So. I spent three or four years just homebrewing my way through classic styles. I didn't hit them all. It was not enough time for that. But the idea was I want to figure out how, you know, some classic German styles are made, how some classic English styles are made, how some classic American styles are made, and really figure that out and learn how that works. And then say, okay, now I know how to do all that. Let's, for lack of a better term, scrap that and say, okay, the beers we want to make we're going to build up from basically nothing. So we're going to look at it as I know how to get this flavor and I know how to get this flavor and I know how to get this flavor from the different styles of things we've made through the years. Now let's take and figure out a way to put them together in a kind of new way or more additive way 
to make something that's a little bit different, a little bit unique, but at the same time is still beer. So that's really where kind of the focus of my effort went. It wasn't, it wasn't, I'm going to brew this pale ale recipe 50 times and change, you know, one little bit of everything every time I brew it until I've got it perfect. It's let's brew it, figure out how it works. And then let's move on to the next thing and figure out how that works. And then figure out what we want to take from everything and put together. Sure. Because I read a couple of books about, it was a really long answer. Well, no, I mean, I've read a couple of books about, uh, about cooking and becoming a chef and CIA and stuff like that. And that's one of the things that they make the students do is learn how to cook a consomme, learn how to French Veg, you know, French French cut sure. vegetables. It's, it, it, I think it's so much of the basics. You I know? think what's so interesting about it is that nothing you do is a basic normal style. Maybe the out and about, but I mean, uh, nothing is is a normal style. Like you've, it's they're all your own spin on these styles that are traditional. Right, styles. it's all yeah. creative. It's Just, all different. It's yeah. it's yeah, it's really interesting. Well, I kind of have a, a I don't know a motto or mantra. It's you know, if you want a really good pale ale. I'll take you to the store. There's 10 of them on the shelf. Right. Therefore, there's no reason for me to bother trying to make number 11. Because then you just get lost in the sea of pale ales or IPAs or name the style. So I like to look at it as let's do something that's a little bit different, you know, a different slant or a different take on a different style or a melding of styles or maybe try to resurrect some nearly extinct styles. Uh, like you mentioned, out and about the goza, you know, when, when we started making that, like nobody knew what it was. I think you resurrected the style single handedly. No, no, <laughs> not no. Westbrook did Westbrook. For, for the country, but here locally, maybe I don't know, I'll take a little credit for that. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we've been making that beer for three years, and now everybody makes a goza or a, a variation of a goza. Right. So I'll I'll take a little they're, credit. They're for almost yeah, the first, all variations. Yeah, the first time I ever had it, I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what a goza was. And I was just like, that tastes like a sour, but it's not sour. I was like, was, what is this? And yeah. it wasn't quite right. Like, I didn't think it was right. I thought there was something wrong with it. And then I, you know, learned and, and what a goza was. Well, and I'm, I'm, well, not, I'm not a beer mastermind or something like that, but is a goza supposed to be that salty as some of these are? Is Westbrook a good example of what a goza is <laughs> supposed to be? The, the, the tricky part is, I mean, it's, it, when you're dealing with nearly extinct styles, it's hard to just go to the store and pull 10 different references, right. reference samples. Uh, so the only, really about the only one that's out there is a Leipziger Goza, uh, which you can occasionally run into here and there. Um, but, you know, as the Americans, as we're wont to do, you know, we'll, we'll take a style and just completely bastardize it into our own thing. So, you know, the, the, one, the ones that are probably more traditional are probably a little more on the sour side and not as much on the salty side as some of the American ones are. But again, that's just you know the American palate, and, and, and Periscope is citing um, Anderson Valley as the the top one there. But uh, well, it's the top American one. It's not traditional, um, which is there's nothing wrong with that. No, but it's yeah. I mean, that's the, definitely the big one that's out there. I personally think that thing that, that thing is so salty I can't drink it. But that's the thing though when you're we're dealing with specific flavor components, especially something like salt. You know, there's a lot of people out there that they get McDonald's fries and they dump salt on them because they're not salty enough. I get McDonald's fries and I, <laughs> I scrape the salt off because it's too salty. Shake. But but that's the difference. You know, some people, you know, people have different flavor thresholds. So if a beer like that for me is way too salty and a beer like that for some people is just right. Uh, so our Goza, again, because we started making it, you know, three years ago for, quote unquote, for Goza was cool. 
we didn't even call it a goza at first because it was like too tough a sell it was too complicated too weird but nobody same, knows how to pronounce it well they still don't but the, but <laughs> it, but, it, but at the same time it's like ours is not a true traditional goza we don't actually sour mash it or anything like that so we we do some you know tricks to give it a little bit of tartness but i wanted it to be an introduction to the style so i didn't want it to be super salty super tart super sour whatever i wanted it to be this hey here's this thing you've never had before but i want to give it to you in a way where you're going to be able to handle it and accept it and then maybe down the road you're going to graduate to the more aggressive versions right. of the style but three years ago if, i mean if i had come out with an anderson valley level of goza three years ago in this <laughs> town i'd have made one batch and i'd probably still be sitting on it so it was one of those things where it's right. like we wanted to kind of so our, I, I look at ours as an introductory example of the style and it's great that you know some more, so many more have come in and everybody around town is doing them and, and it's great but you know so ours was always kind of meant to be a beginning uh introduction to it right so you've been involved at a commercial level with the business for uh four years now uh what what are some of the things that um, have surprised you? Uh, what are the some some of the things that you know now that you you know you wish you'd known before you got into it? What are some of the things that you might be able to tell other people that are interested in getting involved in the uh, in the business? Well, we've only got like an hour long show, so <laughs> I can't even. Be- it's the internet; we can do what we want. I can't even begin to go into all of that, and I'm sure I'd skip some stuff. But it's uh, the crazy the. I've kind of coined this like new, again, another like mantra or motto. Um, the one thing about the beer business that doesn't change is the fact that it's always changing. So, it, I mean, the world, even just, even if you just look at it locally, I mean, okay, you can look at the world, you can look at the country, they say whatever, just looking at locally, because that's, that's our bread and butter. That's really what we do. The world is so different now than it was just three years ago. I mean, I go back you every now and then. popped in at a weird time, too. You were stuck in between <laughs> kind of two Yeah, worlds. we were. That's we were true, yeah. I like to say we were kind of a tweener, that's for sure. But when you look at it, so, I mean, we, we produced our first beer. We incorporated in 2011. Took about a year to get everything up and going. We, we brewed and sold our first beer about mid-2012. So we actually just kind of, what I call official anniversary, we just passed our third anniversary. When I was business planning and putting things together, here's what I had to look at. Uh, from a you know competitive market analysis, there was Rivertown, which was you know built kind of from the ground up in a warehouse in the middle of nowhere with cobbled together equipment. There was Mount Carmel, which was the exact same thing, and there was Moreline, which was all contract brewed. And then you had uh, you had Listerman still, but you know at that time Dan was just like kind of screwing around in the back with like his two barrel whatever thing he had. Still kind of doing that. Well, no, no, no. Dan doesn't screw around at all anymore, but. And then you had, okay, you had Hofbrau House, you had Rock Bottom, you know, those chain things. That was it. So when I'm sitting here putting together my plan, and this is before tap rooms were even legal. Right. Uh, so when you're putting together your plan, like, well, here is kind of what's laid out about how you do it in this town. You do the Mount Carmel, the Rivertown route where, you know, you try to keep it, you know, as cheap as you can, as, as you can. You don't go crazy on the capital side because you, you can't find the capital. It doesn't exist. There's no right. one knocking on your door to write you a check. Right. Today, you got to beat them off with a stick, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Yeah. But, um, you know, so that was how you built a brewery in those days. And that's, you know, we followed right in that line. 
Um, the tricky thing for us was, you know, we moved to a very small space, production only, in a weird, you know, warehouse in a weird part of town that wasn't very publicly accessible, blah, 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 blah. And then we were just about to open, and they passed this taproom thing. Well, there was a little bit of a break. Uh, 50 West opened right after us, but they were a brew pub, so that was a little bit different model, different right. space, different right. everything. And then the next thing you had after that was Mad Tree. And they were the first ones who kind of were able to breach into this new method or new way of starting a brewery where it was, you know, the kind of go big or go home mentality. And they were early enough in their process, they were able to fit in the tap room and really have that as a part of the initial design of their space. Excuse me. I'm burping, up, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm burping up the bourbon it, here. It, so. it, it, it's an occupational ha- yeah, yeah, hazard yeah, yeah. of a crap, yeah. crap beer radio show. Just so. um, let it fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I won't do that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so that really changed things. And then right after them, we had Ryan guys. So you had these two guys that were coming in, and they're, they're, they're hitting, you know. They're, they were gigantic almost well, immediately. Well, I mean, they're, I mean they're, they're coming in with a mil and a half, two million in capital right out of the gate. And, and, with, and with no reputation and no thought or you know, not knowing if it was going to work or not, I cobbled together $150,000 of my own money to start my brewery. Uh, so you look, you just look at the difference. Yeah. It was, it's literally a factor of 10. You know, I was about 150,000 in when, on the day we opened and, you know, the guys after me have been, you know, 1.5 or more, Right. which it, you know, it, it's great. You know, I'm not knocking that way of doing things by any means. It's just that it, it, it just kind of flipped and changed so quick right there. And then now that you, people see the success of the mad tree and the Rheingeist, all of a sudden people are like, I got to go find a brewery to invest in. Uh-huh. And right. so, you know, that's, that's, so where, where it is now is honestly any home brewer that's brewed, you know, a couple of batches and can cobble together a business plan. He'll, if he tries hard enough, he'll come up with a couple million to start a brewery. We'll see how it goes, but right. you know, right. it's, it's yeah. a totally different world. Like I said, you know, when I started, nobody was giving me a dime. I had to, I had to leverage $80,000 in capital equipment to get a $50,000 SBA loan from a bank. Jeez. Wow. Wow. Like, literally, if I defaulted on the loan the day after I signed it, they'd have came out ahead, and that was the only way they would do it. Wow. Whereas now... Because they said, because you looked at them and and said, well, I want to do a craft brewery, and they said, what's that, and why, and what... Well, yeah, they basically... Is that right? I mean, what... Well, they basically looked at it as a restaurant. You know, you can't... Oh, okay. If you don't have 10 years of of restaurant experience or somebody on your team that does, you can't just walk into a bank and get a loan for a million dollars to start a restaurant. Right, and that's right. kind of like always been that way. Right, right. Uh, so they looked at it, you know, very similar to that. It's like, all right, so you don't have any experience, you know, actually working in this field, and you want to start this. They and they lump them in the same risk factor, risk category as a restaurant. They're just like, get the hell out of here. Now there's a now they're the well. Now the, you don't even need a bank. Now, now the white the white knights are lining up at the door. I guess, huh? Well. For for new startup things, yes, right, yeah. right. I mean, when you're already established, they look at it as like, well, there's you know nothing to be gained there because we're not in on the ground floor. So you, like, I mean, I'm sure you are have looked into investors at some point. But yes, we're actually in the process of doing it right now. I mean, I can't. I never wanted that to, but that's anybody. We have no choice. Anybody who loves Cincinnati beer, I can't imagine that you wouldn't want to invest in Blank Slate. I mean, you guys aren't a startup. It kind of are. Well, I mean, I, I mean from a f- if you look at what you could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's you know there's what you could be, and then there's what you want to be. You know, I don't want to be Sam Adams. I don't want to be Ryan Guys. I don't even want to be Mad Tree. 
uh, just as far as from a size and volume standpoint. And again, it's nothing against it, nothing against anything those guys are doing at all. But I'm just kind of on a different life path, I guess. I'm just in this to earn a living. Like when I get to the point where I can pay myself a marginal, reasonable salary right. to live on, I don't care if we grow a barrel past that. Well, when you're talking to investors and you know they they think they're gonna make as much money, you know, investing in right. you as the guys who invested in Rheingeist did. And you tell them, you know, well, you know, here's the plan. It's very, very slow growth, and your return is going to be quite honestly better if you invest in a mutual fund. Uh, they don't, ex- they don't exactly beat your door down anymore. But it's, it's not, it's not investors that you need. It's drinkers, beer well, fans, it, it, people it, it, who at want the same, to yeah, at the same time, it's, invest it's, in exactly. Cincinnati beer. It's, it's the, it's finding the right people, and we're actually in the process of doing that right now. We actually are just about finalizing it um with with some folks who are gonna wow. help us out with some capital to to do the growth that quite honestly we need to do and it's it's not it it's something i've i've been struggling with for about the last year and a half or so it's it's one of those things where we're kind of stagnated where every little bit that i can reinvest you know just is a comes with almost an equal cost so it's like we get a little bigger in volume a little bigger in volume but we're not actually making any more money so we're kind of at a point where we have to like get over the hump, as they say. Right. So, and the only way we're going to do that is with you know, packaging. <clears throat> that's actually that, that's, <laughs> that's part of it. That's, that's you know, part of it. That's what's on everybody in Cincinnati's yep. minds. That I think when it or, comes to you, you know, bigger tap room, more more. Well, the tap customers room, coming in yeah, throughout the, the you know the tap room's not going to get any bigger, uh, but we are getting ready to convert uh, some more production space. So we're going to be actually tripling our fermentation capacity, and we're going to be adding some packaging. So have you been dragged kind of kicking and screaming to this point? Is it I, no, something that I made, you're... That I made my peace with it a while ago. I mean, I drugged myself to it, kicking and screaming, I guess, because my, my original you know goal and plan was to always own and maintain 100% ownership of the company. Because, I mean, I came from the corporate world where it was like I had to answer to other people and they were all stupid and full of crap and I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, So, you know, coming to the realization that, you know, we need to sell some equity to do what we need to do definitely took me a long time. It took some getting used to, but I'm I'm okay with it now for sure. And we're not, you know, I'm not like giving up 95% of the company or anything. It's not like I'm, you know, now an employee. You know, I'll still be maintaining, uh, you know, primary ownership and i still make all the rules and all the decisions so we just gotta you know pay some people back I, so. I, <laughs> <laughs> well as opposed to banks this this it may be a personal question and it may be a personal thing sort of but if you and if you don't want to answer it or respond to it but i had to ask you this uh, I'm pretty much an open book, well, so well, it's not, you, I'll probably answer it. You had you had a Facebook po- Facebook post back in, back in March that I thought was really poignant. Uh, in fact, you have to remind me. Well, I'm going to. I don't remember. He, he talks about I, it all I the time. I don't remember March. I, I think, he, he brings it up all the time. I, I, I think about it whenever I visit the brewery. Whenever I think of you, it read running a brewery means dealing with a lot of bullshit more than actually making beer. Rarely do I get to mash in alone listening to the Beastie Boys anymore. When I do, all the cares of the world melt away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember that. Yeah. There was, seemed like it might have been tinged with a little regret, maybe some disappointment. No, 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 no. Was no, it just a bad regret. day? I no. remember, I think, what was coming down at, at that time. That was a good day because I got the brew. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. 
No, it, there's, I like it just the, seems, there's also been quite I a few mean, posts about reading legal documents and things like. I mean, it, yeah, it, I mean, there there has to be some kind of. A, I imagine you just get caught up in the minutia well, right, of like business the, ownership more than you know wanting to just do what you enjoy doing. So, so I like to you know with what we do through social media and stuff, it, I like to be I like to be kind of an open book. I like to think of it as if you're you know following blank slate on social media and stuff you're really following the journey of me and the company cuz it's kind of really one and the same uh, whereas you know if you're dealing with a big you know a bigger company all you get is like you know the the marketed bullshit posts from you know their new york marketing firm hey this and that <laughs> blah 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 and it's like i really want it to be this kind of very honest and open thing where it's like this is the brewery this is what it is this is what it's like and honestly if you're thinking about getting into this business this is the stuff no one's ever going to tell you. So very open about that. So, you know, you look, part of it just comes from, I get guys coming in all the time saying, oh yeah, I'm going to start a brewery and this and that. And they're all very gung-ho about it. And it's great to see the enthusiasm, but then you start telling them the things they're going to have to do. And the fact that, you know, if you're going to start a brewery, you've got to be willing, you know, most people who want to start a brewery, it's not because they think it's, Hey, it's a great thing to get into. They think, you know what? I love making, I love Mm -hmm. making beer. I want to do it for a living. The fact of the matter is, as an owner, that's the last thing you do is make beer. There is so many other things you've got to do just to run the day-to-day business, just to do all that stuff. Uh, And brewing is, quite honestly, the last thing you get to do. And so it's like, if you're getting into it because you want to brew for a living, you got to understand that if you want to do that, you need to get a job in a brewery, not own a brewery. Or just continue to homebrew. Or Well, that's the other thing. You know, one one of the worst things you can do... Not one of the worst things, but you know, there's. I think there's an old saying like one of the worst things you can do, uh, f- to for your passion for a hobby is to start doing your hobby for a living because now it's not a hobby. You love hobbies. You never love so much what you're doing for a living. I guess so. It's right. you know when you turn take something that's your hobby and you turn it into your living, suddenly it's not quite as fun. I think um, that there's probably a lot of people that are listening that are in that same boat. You know, we all love beer. We're not listening to this if we don't love beer, but none of us are starting a brewery you i know, drink as a hobby yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so one of the analogies okay. one of the analogies i'll use is um okay you want to start a brewery all right think about it like starting a toilet paper factory because because 90 percent of what you do is exactly the same as running a toilet paper factory if the idea of running a toilet paper factory doesn't sound any fun to you running a brewery is not gonna be much better only no i mean but i just say that as an example because it's like you know I mean, I spend half my day, you know, paying bills and dealing with, you know, business stuff and law, like the lawyer stuff is because we're going through all this thing where we're selling some equity. Right. I've got a 60 page long legal document that I have to read through that literally if you put it into plain English, it'd be four pages long. But I have to read through this thing and kind of proof through it and make sure it's exactly what I want it to say when it's nothing but like circular logic sentences all over. So, you know, that's what you have to do all day. And it, yeah, sometimes it gets frustrating, you know, I'll vent about it, but I want people to know that. I want people to know that, like, hey, look, you know, I don't just sit around and drink beer all day and have fun and put my hand down my pants. Like, that's not what owning a business or owning a brewery is all about. Now, don't get me wrong, we have a lot of fun. I mean, I love what I'm doing. You know, it's a, ver- it's a rare day where I get to brew a beer by myself, but when I do, I mean, it's it's cathartic. I mean, it's it's heaven for me i think the so, hashtags on it were beer is art hashtag beer is therapy yeah exactly beers yeah i mean when i get to brew it's like ther- when you know for whatever reason the stars align and i'm in there and i'm brewing myself it's like therapy to me 
it's this is what I got into this for. This is what I love. This is, you know, why I'm doing this. Sometimes, so sometimes, honestly, I'll just be like, all right, I'm doing this today because I need that to, excuse me, burping again, to, uh, to balance, <laughs> to balance out, to balance out all the other, quite honestly, bullshit that you have to deal with when running a business every day. Well, was that, was that bullshit? Was that something you didn't think that you were going to have to do? Oh, no, or I knew. Was I, that no, like I knew it was, you wish nah. somebody had told you or no, no, it's no, just, I knew it was, you know. It, it's I, I use the analogy, you know, you can know someone's about to kick you in the balls, but it still hurts when they do. Mm-hmm. Like even sure. if you know, even if you know it's coming, it still hurts when it gets there. So I, I mean, I knew what I was getting into. I knew it was going to be this way, but it doesn't make it any less of a pain but in the butt. Nobody so, talks sure. about that struggle on a regular basis. Exactly, and that's the thing. It's always happy. You know, it's always kind of happy go lucky. Oh, rah rah rah, beer beer beer, this and that. And I'm all for that, but I like to be the guy who's like, all right, you know. I want to show you the seedy underbelly a little bit of what's going on. Well, loose screw beers is a great Twitter handle to follow too. For oh yeah, Matt Rowe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's totally. absolute brewery. So, so, so you, you want to be a brewer? So you want to be a brewer? So you want to be a brewer? Here's the stuff you got to deal with. Yeah. Absolutely, it's, it's brilliant. So some of these guys, and I, I don't know if I want to really mention, but I think we can imagine who they all are. That kind of have sugar daddies, <laughs> sugar brewing mm. daddies. Uh, are you are you jealous of those guys? Because those guys do get to brew most of the time without having to put up with any or of the they, other quote-unquote bullshit. Or they hire the office manager or the business manager or somebody. They have the money to pay somebody to do the stuff sure, that they sure. don't want to do. Yeah. I, I guess maybe deep, deep down, I'd have to admit it's maybe a marginal little bit of jealousy. Yeah, I, I, and I don't <laughs> but, think but jealousy I don't, is necessarily the right. Yeah, it's a str- that's a strong yeah, version that's, that's, of the yeah. word. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit of envy. I don't know. Okay. Um, I would say no, that some I mean, of those guys would say the same thing about you, too, that well, you have those days. They yeah, still yeah, exist, yeah. that I mean, you are in the brewery by yourself, and the Beastie Boys are playing, and yeah. you're brewing. That doesn't yeah. happen at some of these places. Yeah, I mean, what, what I will tell you, I mean, the guys that are bigger, is they they never brew. They're nothing but office and right. meetings and this and that and stuff. And it's, that's part of when I say, like, you know, we, we want to stay small and grow very slow. And, I, you know, I don't want to be Ryan Geist. I don't want to be Sam Adams, all those kinds of things. Because at that point, and again, it's nothing against anything those guys are doing. But at that point, you're a manufacturing facility. Uh, you just happen right. to be making beer. Right. I mean, it's all about cranking and cranking and cranking and turning tanks every day. And it's just become so like kind of automated and mechanical and automatic. Where to me, it's just like, if I wanted that, I'd stay working in the plastics factory. Because that's all it was with every day. It was just automatic, you know, the same thing over and over again. So I like being small and I like being able to be kind of nimble. I like, you know, people think it's crazy like guys when we're talking the industry as far as like like a brewing schedule like i don't know what we're going to make next week i have no (laughs) idea and i won't know for a couple more days just because it depends on you know what what's selling what's not selling what we need what we don't need it's not whereas there's guys who know what beer they're going to filter on december 14th (laughs) right now i asked a a brewer friend at madry hey what are your plans on uh what are your plans on Labor Day weekend? We're having a little get together, and he actually had it. Yeah, he had he's Labor like, Day he's weekend. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm brewing this IPA this. that yep. day. Yeah, like, and to me, it's okay. just like I don't want my life to be that planned out because at that point, like I said, I'm I'm just a guy pushing a button on a machine. So, so let me ask a very pointed question, and this will be the last one before we go to some of our other uh, business that we've got to do. Is it still craft beer then, when it gets to be that? scheduled and that's <laughs> that is a load that's a loaded question i mean it may be smaller than the budweiser's it may be taste better than the budweiser's it may be but you know well at what point does it change to 
something other than the, craft this, beer. This will probably be the one time where I'll take kind of the more politically correct answer. Um, it's There's a craft in everything. I mean, there's an art. There's a lot of science, but there's a little bit of art, and there's some craft, honestly, to even Bud Light. When you look at something like that, it is a beer you cannot hide a flaw in. And they have to make that beer taste the same coming out of whatever it is, seven, eight, nine, ten different facilities entirely across the country to where you can't taste a difference in it. There is some serious skill involved in that. Uh, you know, where does craft beer become crafty or not crafty anymore? There really is no answer to that. I mean, it's it's not like a dividing line where it's like as soon as you do this, you've crossed to the dark side. Um you know, the guys that have the bigger breweries, you know, that are maybe putting out 20,000, 30,000 barrels a year, and they're a little more automated, and it's, you know, like I said, you know, they know what they're going to brew on Labor Day. That, I mean, it's still, if you're putting your heart and your soul into it, it's craft beer. And those guys that are doing, you know, those things, the, the bigger guys, they're still putting their heart and their soul into it. It's just they have a lot of other people also putting their heart and souls into it to make it happen. So, you know, you, you, you look at a facility that's got, you know, 40 or 50 people working in it, and all those people are spending their entire day working to make sure that everything is the way it needs to be. And, I mean, that's that's taking, if, you know, pride in your craft. If you take Rising Up, we'll take that as an example. It's a brilliant beer. It's definitely a craft beer. If you scale it up 10 times, it is still – if it's still the same product – it's still a craft beer. I don't care yeah. how yeah. big it gets. Yeah. But my, my argument has always been a little bit, though, I mean, and you can kind of take the example of look at breweries through the years. I'm not talking locally, but just in general, just look at, you know, places that were more niche and they've gotten bigger and bigger, like a New Belgium or, you know, some of those places like that. To me, and, and again, it's not like there's a, an exact line where you, where it happens, but to me it's like for a beer like Rising Up, you know, if we suddenly tomorrow scale, we make seven barrels at a time. If we suddenly scaled out tomorrow and said we were going to make 200 barrels at a time, that beer would not taste the same. It would, to me, it would be physically impossible to make it taste the same. Cause once you get to that scale, now you have to have that automation. You have right. to have different equipment. You have to have different processes. A lot of the stuff that I do to make beer, quite honestly, is incredibly inefficient, but <laughs> that's what has to happen. I think to make it taste the way I want it to taste. So if we ever got to a point where we got really big and, you know, things scaled up three, four, five, six, ten times, those beers are going to change. Now, we have to decide, are we okay with that because that's what we want to do, or do we want to stay small and be a little more true to that? You know, I mean, I'll use the examples of, you know, things like like New Belgium, like Fat Tire. That beer is not the same beer it was ten years ago. It slowly evolved over time, not because they tried to. I mean, they do a very good job with quality control of everything through the process. It's just... When you go from a little 20-barrel brew house with a couple of portable pumps to now you're, I don't even know how big the brew house is, but you go into their brewery and it's like nothing but 27 miles of stainless steel pipe going from tank to tank to tank to tank, the stuff's going to change. And whether it's better or worse, you know, you could always argue that, you know, but it's different. And that's that's a great point, too, that as you scale up, you have to kind of change things. I mean, I don't know if we've all heard rumors, but there's rumors about some of the bigger people switching to hop extracts instead of, you know hops does that change the end product does that make it different does it make it not craft does that i don't know yeah i mean and i don't think anybody really knows that yeah there's there's not really a correct answer and um that is a i think a food for thought for uh, all of our listeners out. that's a soundbite for the clip show (laughs) (laughs) 
that's a food for thought for everybody out there. So right now we're going to do a little bit of business. We're going to take a break, and we will be right back uh, in a few moments. Uh, you're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi again, everybody. Mike Cisneros oh, here, and on the Sunday, August 9th edition of Cincy oh. Brewcast, we'll be on the road again. This time, we'll be appearing live at Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. We featured founders Greg, Jake, and Evan Rouse and Richard Dubay on just our second Cincy Brewcast, and for our 21st show, we'll return to where it all began. We'll be joined by Braxton's marketing director, Jonathan Gandalf, and we again will talk to the founders and find out what's been happening over the last five months of operations. What has gone as planned? Have there been any surprises and what's on tap for the future? We'll, of course, also be tasting the brews, especially the new Twisted Bit Dortmunder Lager and hopefully a surprise or two from their keg room. We'll get underway with our live Periscope TV broadcast beginning at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're heading to Braxton to see us in person, we suggest you get there at 4 to be sure to get a good seat. Once again, that's this Sunday, August 9th at 4.30 p.m. at Braxton Brewing Company, 27 West 7th Street, Covington, Kentucky. For more information, visit braxtonbrewing.com or cincybrewcast.com. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi everybody, Mike Cisneros here, and as a craft beer lover, you want the same thing I do. The finest in handmade lagers, ales, and stouts. But do you take the time to think about whether the same care and attention has been given to the treats you feed your dog? Well, I'm here to tell you about Brewhouse Dog Bones, made from the same wholesome malted barley that you'll find in the delicious beers from many of Cincy's finest craft breweries. Brewhouse Dog Bones are handmade in small batches using just three additional natural ingredients, peanut butter, organic eggs, and brown rice flour. So you know your best friend is enjoying almost the same great craft experience that you do. And Brewhouse Dog Bones are not only good for your dog, they're good for our community because they offer real-world training and a work co-op experience for developmentally disabled young adults ages 18 to 22 through the New Richmond, Sycamore, Marymount, and Oak Hill school districts. Brewhouse Dog Bones are available in the distinctive brown paper sacks with the red dog bone at some of Cincy's finest craft tap rooms, including Mount Carmel Brewing Company, Listerman Triple Digit Brewing in Cincinnati, and Old Firehouse Brewing in Williamsburg and great pet stores like Newtown Feed and Supply and Earthwise Pet Supply in Montgomery. For more information about Brewhouse Dog Bones, to carry Brewhouse in your tap room or pet store, or to find out how your school district can participate in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, just contact Lisa Graham by visiting www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. And welcome back to Cincy Brewcast, everybody. Once again, uh, my name is Mike Cisneros. I'm joined by the gnarly gnome, Tina Cisneros, and this week's special guest from Blank Slate Brewing in Cincinnati, Scott LaFollette. And uh, right now we've got a little This Week in Beer action, what I like to call Twib Notes. And Twib Notes? <laughs> oh, wow. What the hell that's is going, that? That's, that's that going way mean? back. Oh. I thought you guys would like that one. I, I know, know what that means. Yeah, I know what it means. I'm going to get the music, too, the old uh, the old This Week in Baseball music. I know it might be a violation of a licensing agreement, but... Uh, 
Anyway, uh, where's, where's the, where's the, where's the, uh, where's the baseball bunch at? The baseball bunch? Yeah. You bring Johnny Bench and, right. uh, and Tommy Lasorda in here? Yeah. Uh, excellent. I'm glad you know that. And, uh, that, a, that, blows, that blows my mind that you knew that. I'm older reference. than I look. <laughs> so, Noam, you have a uh, little story here about, uh, what is it, Bell's? Bell's Fest, Fest at, um, at Cappy's. I, um, Will you, know, you be there with bells on? Um, uh, <laughs> I don't have my sound effects today. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have. I, I, <laughs> I didn't give you those. Here, it's, it's close enough. <laughs> it's they are running a kind of a weekend long festival of Bell's beer, which is not something I typically write about. So I figured this is a good venue for it. Um, all weekend they are having. Oberon, Two Hearted, Bell's Amber, The Lager of the Lakes, Midwestern Pale, Deb's Red, the Vintage 2014 Double Cream Stout, 2014 Expedition Stout, all on tap all weekend. Um, Any Uranus? Uh, no. Excuse me? <laughs> there is none of my anus. <laughs> Ew, you took it there. <laughs> I was making a 12-year-old boy joke. You oh, took it all the way. Um, Oberon fills are seven dollars. There's gonna be food trucks, music on Saturday. It's just amazing because I was over there last week for the first time in a long time, and you know, it's such kind of just a small place, but he has a lot of big stuff. I mean, well, I guess in the evening yeah. after the after they clear out at Bond Furniture and all that stuff, he's got all that parking lot to right. work with. So well, and it, honestly, since we started the show, even when before we even had the show, and it was just sort of a twinkle in our eye. Um, we had talked about how we wanted to have Ben on. Well, we'll, we'll have Let's to get, get him. him. Where are you, we'll they, Ben? Um, if you're they're, listening, they're actually tapping some really fun stuff, though. Mm-hmm. Like it's they're doing um, the uh, Boiling Point Pale Ale and a Wild One Sour. It's called Boiling on, Point. Yeah. God. Uh, on, on Thursday. Oakley Pub and Grill. You guys are so stupid. They called. <laughs> they told us it was called Boiling Pot. So I've been calling for that. I'm pretty sure it's boiling point. Probably yeah. it, that makes more sense. I was like, "What um, is that?" Well, Sparkleberry on uh, on Friday and Hop Solution. Sparkleberry. And then on Saturday they're doing the uh, the Belgium with the uh, the wedding ale. So I mean, there's like there's there's some fun stuff and like any I think it's like a dollar from every growler fill or pint of Bell's beer that you buy goes towards the um, the Lauren Hill Foundation. Oh, and then that's, cool. that's a good. Um, they're doing like a charity. like a dunk tank or something where you can dunk sure. in. <laughs> and, uh, I, and and he is matching every every dollar up to twenty five hundred dollars. Um, so I mean, so it's good for yeah. a good cause. They've become a, become a really good hub for craft beer in that area because there really wasn't much out there. I grew yeah. up I grew up in Loveland and remember going in there on the way when to it was a shitty bodega. When it was a well, it was a little <laughs> no no. I was in there when it was a true actual pony keg. You know where you okay. you know where your dad would go and get so his before it was a shitty bodega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it was just it, you know an old fashioned yep. traditional kind of old man yep. pony cake, yep. uh, you know that had chips and you know yep. beer and so soft drinks and gum. And I, that's why I was going to say I remember going in there getting gum before I mm-hmm. went to like baseball well, it, practice or something. Then like it that, became so. the only place in love to buy a blunt. For a while, yeah, and, but 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 now it's but now it's great. The yeah. only retailer in Loveland. I, I grew up not <laughs> terribly far from there, so okay, all right. But a little, little, where little, did, a little, a little behind you. Where uh, you? I don't want to go there. But uh? I grew up in Morrow. Oh, okay. Well, that's the armpit of America. Well, we, why we're almost we're almost uh, neighbors and best friends. Something like that. Uh, no, we would have been rivals. <laughs> like that's know. right. That's nobody, true. nobody, nobody liked the river rats. <laughs> so that's Thursday. That's that's Thursday. what we were called. That's Thursday and Friday at uh, at uh, 
Cappies and Loveland. Uh, they're uh, right on the other side of the bridge, on the uh, old Loveland side of the bridge there right. on uh, West Loveland Avenue. So, uh, The Claremont County side. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> the Claremont County side. Uh, I, you know, we did a uh, show, uh, maybe three, four shows ago. By the way, Tina reminded me that this is our 20th episode This is our tonight. anniversary. Congrats. This is our 20th, 20th, an- show. 20th anniversary show. Next week, we turn 21, and I played the promo for the Braxton show. Oh. Uh, and it's going to be our 21st birthday, so uh, you know how those things go. Anyway. Oh, going to break loose. <laughs> going to wake up on the stairs I'm going to stand at Braxton and ID people. I'm going to work the door. <laughs> anyway, we did Careful a show. Careful what you wish for. Yeah, we did a show <laughs> yeah. a couple of weeks ago uh, where we discussed beers that you wish you could have again. And one of our uh, really good friends of the show and followers on Twitter, at uh, BAS Beer Man, uh, we know him as Adam. Hello, Adam. Uh, he mentioned that he would like to, to drink again the Black and Brew Coffee Stout from Samuel Adams. Well, I just had We got him a present. We got him a present <laughs> <laughs> from uh, Ashley LaDuke at Sam Adams. Uh, the uh, headline reads Sam Adams Brewer's Vault Final Voting Round. And it just says the time has come. Back in May, we opened up our Brewer's Vault and brought 16 16 of our brews from the past to the table for a vote among craft beer lovers to select their top four. The Scotch Ale, the Samuel Adams Hefeweizen, the Samuel Adams Black Lager, and the Black and Brew Coffee Stout are finalists. Uh, You can go to www.samueladams.com slash drinker favorites now through August 10th. And vote. So, Adam, I, I expect you're welcome, you to be, Adam. We're working on I it. I expect you to be uh, <laughs> send us more beer to be stuffing the ballot box, and so. we will be stuffing the ballot box as well for you here because that sounds like it's a really damn good beer. So, so my, I've never had it. So, my repeated votes for Triple Bock, I guess, went unheard. Or, or the Scotch Ale was the other one that I, I that I would vote for. So, uh, oh, the tri- the Triple Bock, like it was the worst beer oh, ever was? made in the entire. <laughs> <laughs> I like their chocolate box. It was. Yeah, it was, the, the triple block was – so have you ever heard of, you know, beer – one of the beer flavors that can kind of come out as soy sauce? Have you ever heard yeah, – ever like a uh, – this – Heard liter- of it and tried it. This <laughs> literally was a bottle of soy sauce. Oh, my Ew. God. <laughs> it was nuts. What do they call that t- flavor? Um, umami? Yeah, umami? yeah, yeah. It was, it was crazy. So. They'll never make that again. But. Uh, anything else? That's, I think, the big stuff. Um, that's the big off stuff. Top of my that's head. the big stuff from this week in beer. I think so. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know. I've been drinking. Give us your best Vince Scully voice for for <laughs> for the Twib notes. <laughs> Actually, it was Mel Allen. Oh, that's right. Mel that's Allen. Right. This that's is right. Mel Allen. There you go. That's welcome right. to this week in baseball. That's not bad. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, close. This week in beer. <laughs> It may be summer, but that just means it's the right time to start thinking about the uniform needs for your fall and winter sports teams. Whether it's new embroidered gear bags for your volleyball club, silk-screened warm-up hoodies for fall baseball, or a hot new look for your basketball team, Eastgate Custom Graphics can work with you to capture your team's unique style. Eastgate Custom Graphics team design experts can help you to stand out from your competitors, and with great brands like Nike, Port Authority, Hanes, and more, ECG has the names your players want to wear. It's also not too early to think about back to school, and ECG has all your spirit wear needs. We have gear from many of the Eastside schools, and if you don't see it, just ask, and Eastgate Custom Graphics will design it for you. 
Eastgate Custom Graphics is located at 4459 Mount Carmel Tabasco Road, right next to St. Veronica. Talk to Don Hall or any of the design pros at ECG at 513-528-7944 or visit www.com. That's www.ecgraphicswithanx.com. Good thing and, it's a podcast and we can edit. And we'd like to mention that uh, Eastgate Custom Graphics is the official imprinting and apparel supplier to Cincy Brewcast. And tonight on... I hit the wrong bloody... Asked and answered. Uh, we had a we were going to give out a Cincy Brewcast T-shirt to someone who was going to ask us a question tonight of Scott and or the Cincy Brewcast crew. Uh, I do not believe we got anything from anybody, uh, even though we tweeted it out, got a bunch of retweets and everything. No, you have to nobody. Ask us, nobody gives a crap. What I have us, to say you have to ask <laughs> so us a everybody, question. Everybody on Periscope right now. You have to ask us a question. Oh, okay. We've, JM, got, we've got one from in the house. J.M. Hammond is drinking shrewdness right now. Perfect. Cool. Thanks, JM. Any thoughts ever of a Hefeweizen? Uh, Hefeweizen. Yeah, my wife's holy grail of beer. Yes. So, funny story. Um, we worked on one once, and we will get back to it again. Because uh, the first time we did it, we totally screwed it up and dumped it. Um, but this past uh, winter, uh, we were working on a black chocolate Hefeweizen. Yep. And uh, we're going to probably try to pull that out again this winter. Probably like, you know, like as a taproom beer. Um, I kind of learned from our mistakes of the first time. It's one of those, you know, every now and then you do something stupid and the second you get done doing it, you're like, why did I just do that? And, you know, then you dump 200 gallons of beer down the drain and it really impregnates it in your brain. So, um, yeah. Not so, and, and not funny either. I mean, that is not a funny thing to happen. Yeah, it's part. It, you know, it's part of the game. But, but yeah. So, you know, half straight up Hefweizen. I don't know. Maybe it's not really in the plans. But, but that sounds good. But the I, the idea was like chocolate dipped banana. That was the idea. Sold. Wow. So, so wow. I mean, it, so it, it was a, it was a black Hefweizen uh, with okay. cocoa nibs. So we're well, gonna we're, we're gonna give it another stab this winter. Well, Nancy Cisneros, even though you did not have to ask a qu- ask a question to get a free Cincy Brewcast T-shirt, you are the winner tonight of we, the Cincy Brewcast T-shirt. We have a couple t-shirt. other questions on Periscope. Oh, do we? we? All right, all right. Let's, let's hear. Um, and you guys have to tell me which who's were which again because I wasn't quick enough. But um, the first question was, how much are you planning on making this year, barrel wise? How how big have you gotten? So. Uh, to give a little perspective, because um, we kind of started in the middle of the year, so I always look at it as, you know, I don't look at it as calendar year, I look at right. it as brewing year. Uh, in our first year, we made 235 barrels or something close to that. Uh, in our second year, we hit just over 400. Wow. And in our for our third year, we broke just barely over 600. Uh, now for this calendar year of 2015, we're going to be close to 700 uh, for last year's calendar year. So if you're looking at you know from a tax basis, because that's what government cares about. Last year we did 635 barrels. This year we'll do 700 and something ish. 
Um, so when we said, like when I said earlier, that we're looking to triple our capacity, we're going to be uh, close to around 2,000 barrels uh, and, once, and once that's all said and done. And 2,000 barrels is nothing, not even in this town. And, and that's just by seriously kicking ass. That's not really increasing. It's not really getting more equipment or... Well, no, no. Well, I mean, the tripling is going to come from more equipment for sure. Oh, the, but uh, the 700 from the 200 and some to 700 well, was no, just... There was there was some improvements along the way. When we started, we had three seven-barrel fermenters. Then we added a fourth. Then we got rid of the three original ones and replaced them with 15s. Okay. Um, so, we and we've had those for about a year uh, any, any improvements we make this year over last year is truly just like kind of efficiency and time gains, so to speak. Um, we've had a lot, you know, there's a lot of bottlenecks. It's, it, you, you spend your entire life in a brewery just chasing bottlenecks. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you don't have enough kegs. So then you buy more kegs and now it's after that, it's all right. We don't have enough bright tank space to carbonate beer. And then you get another one of those, and it's like, okay, well, now we don't have enough hot water capacity to be able to brew on the same days that we filter. So we have to do those on two separate days, which means we have tanks that sit open for, you know, you, you empty a fermenter out, and then it sits open for three days before you can refill it. So a lot of the stuff we've done is just kind of try to gain wow. in, that, in that area where it's wow. we, we try very hard to not let a fermenter stay empty for more than 24 hours. So, you know, we'll empty a fermenter today and we'll refill it tomorrow. It gets a little tricky sometimes. You empty one on a Friday. We can't brew on Saturdays right now just with staffing and things like that. So it sits empty for a couple of days. But it, we, we used to have times where sometimes the tank would have to sit empty for a week just because we had to do so many other things and we couldn't get back to it. So a lot of us, you know, labor and things like that that we've slowly added. So that's the difference between last year and this year is just some labor and efficiency gains, not so much uh, – additional tanks or capacity but next year it's going to be a lot of tanking capacity change right Um, and labor and a bunch of things another question we're going to be hiring soon (laughs) bartenders there you go Uh, (laughs) experienced brewing staff the the next question was what was the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome to get to this point oh my lord um man the biggest hurdle it's there's so many that are like close in size it's tricky to say but i mean just in the process of getting started just going through you know all of the regulatory stuff and it's not like you just go download some file and it's like do this then this then this then this then you'll be okay it's you gotta i mean you just gotta there's so much you have to go through and you're like okay i know i need to talk i know i need to do this or i need to get licensed with for this and then you do that, and you're like, okay, I'm okay. And then you somehow find out, or someone tells you, no, you got to do this too. And you're like, okay, well, glad I knew that. Uh-huh. You know, where right. did that come from? Right. Um, so and, you know, get up and getting started. There's a lot of that, but it's, I mean, the the biggest hurdles are just on the. It's just the business side of things. I mean, if you're looking to start a brewery and you don't have how to brew and how to brew on whatever scale it is you're looking to get into it at. If you don't already know that, then you need to just quit now. You need to, that stuff has got to be second nature to the, the, the equipment and the brewing and your recipes and what you're going to do. That's already got to be so ingrained in your head. You can do it in your sleep because the stuff you're getting into from the regulatory side and the business side and 
all of that, which is most likely going to be the part that you aren't familiar with. You're going to spend so much time learning that, that if you also along at, at that same time, are trying to learn how to brew at whatever scale you're at, forget it. You're toast. Mm. So it's kind of a roundabout yeah. answer, but well, no, it's it's a great answer. <laughs> I've enjoyed having him. On, I've enjoyed having you on simply for the fact it's refreshing that, that it's refreshing, and also I've learned. I'm the old curmudgeon. Well, like. I've learned. I've learned a hell of a lot more about brewing sitting here with you for an hour than I've learned from you know reading different books and talking to other brewers and talking to other well, you know, I mean, all yeah, people we, that we've talked to and. We tend to get the sort of politically correct, we don't want to piss anybody off answers. Yeah. So it's really we nice to have honesty. There, there's, I mean, well, I mean, there, there's a there's an in-between ground. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to piss anybody off, and I don't try to piss anybody off, because part of it, too, is like, all right, I've got my thoughts and opinions. Other people have their thoughts and opinions. It doesn't make me right and them wrong. I don't them, think you piss wrong, anybody right, off. Right, and me wrong. It's just there's different ways about go, of going about things, and it's, you know, it all is what it is, and... Well, I've got kind of I've got kind of my path and the way I do things and other people have their ways. The, Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that. It's the, just different. the only word I've heard from other people around town to describe you as stubborn. I am which... very stubborn. <laughs> you can just ask my mom about that or my wife. Either one. I'm very stubborn because again, like you know, I spent a lot of time in the corporate world and I had to you know play by the rules and play ball and wear a three button collared shirt and all that crap. And it was like I didn't start this business to just proliferate that like i started it because i didn't want it to be that so i'm kind of the anti you know establishment i guess side of things you're gnarly well, yeah, there we go. Exactly. <laughs> but but at the same time it's like you know you have to you have to know everything that's going on you have to be able to take in everything that's going on from every angle and every side and you have to be able to take it in and process it and say okay i understand that's why that's what that is and that's how that is and that's why that works that way then i have to say okay do i want to do that or do i want to do something different so you know you have to be kind of a student of everything that's going on around you and you have to take it in and and realize what it is and and then just kind of process it from there as far as how do you want to handle that how do you want to be a part of that or do you not want to be a part of that and yeah i mean you know i'm stubborn is definitely a good way of putting it but I'm trying to do it my way, and I'm going to do it my way until it doesn't work. And you know, well, there's no reason to. Quit. And when it doesn't it's, work, when it doesn't working. work, well, uh, some days more well, than others. But. And, and, it's working for us. And when you're the person that makes the rules, you don't have to worry about whether well, or not you're going to piss anybody. Well, so, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, but quite honestly, that's you know, a lot of the people you probably talk to, it's like, all right, well, they've either got you know two or three other partners, or they've got you know a bunch of other people that they have to answer to for this. Now, I answer to nobody but myself, at least for now, um, and my wife, but. You know, so beyond Don't that, it's like her. Yeah, exactly. I answered her. I answered her first, but you know, she's she doesn't really care what I say in the brewing side of things. So that's you know part of it. And sometimes it gets me in trouble. You know, like you know, sometimes I say stuff that I probably shouldn't have, but that's so, how it is. That's what flows out of my head, and you know, there it is. As far as you know, pissing people off or not pissing people off, what do you like about the Cincinnati scene, and what do you not like about it? If you want to go there, oh no, I no, I love it. Like you know. I mean, I love all the guys in town. I mean, most of us know each other from before we owned breweries. So it's, it's, there's this like kinship. And then there's this kind of brotherhood, so to speak, where it's like, if you can go through all the shit that's thrown at you to start a business like this, it's almost like initiation into a fraternity, so to speak. 
So once you're once you've kind of gone through that, we'll, is that true across the board in town? Um, you're not name, not naming no, names. No, 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 you're no, not no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. that. That's the secondary part. But it's if you can go through all of this and you know get to the point of getting licensed, be able to get something going, no matter what the size it is. It's almost like initiation into a club where it's like I can talk to you and we have certain things that you know we don't. We're on kind of a, another a certain level where it's like there's certain things that we know, even though we may have only met a couple of times. There's certain things we can talk about that are just intrinsic. We're just like it's just you know very free flowing conversation because we've been through the shit so to speak, you know, to get to where we are. Right. Um, so there's there's a very big kinship there, and there's a lot of camaraderie. I mean, you know, it's the old borrowing a cup of sugar thing. You know, I run out of something, I call Fifty West, I call Matry, I call whoever. You know, hey, I need to borrow a bag of this or this or that. Oh, yeah, no problem. Blah blah blah, and then same thing. And you know, so it's it's there's so much camaraderie to it. It's 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 awesome because you don't get that in any other kind of competitive business. Because yeah, we're all in, technically in business against each other, but at the same time, it's like again, if you can go through all this crap, like people, you have you gain a kind of a certain level of respect that everyone looks at kind of equal. Right. The flip side of that, you know. And I'm not saying it's happening yet, but it probably will at some point. You know, I'm I'm kind of a student of what happened to the brewing industry in the late 90s, early 2000s. That was when I started kind of cutting my teeth and starting to learn the industry. And you got to a point where, you know, it kind of became a money grab. And a lot of people got into the business that quite honestly shouldn't have. You know, it was more money than cents kind of thing. Uh, I'm not saying that's happening now. It's not. But I worry if that's going to start happening. And you know, I worry about some of the things that come online. You you hear rumors or you hear people talk about, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to start this, and we're going to do this. And you just, having been there before, you kind of look at it and you're just like, that's not a very sound business model. And, you know, more power to you. I wish you the best of luck. But, man, I really wish that you were somehow forced to think about that a little farther well and i mean i think that's kind of a a perspective that we haven't yet heard because that is kind of one of the big questions we tend to like to ask is the the bubble the craft beer bubble I, I, um, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily calling I, it the bubble okay I'm i know i know i know i know i know but i'm saying that in this perspective i call it natural attrition i'm saying in this in this perspective we've never heard before that this has happened before. Oh no! Well, oh, and that there is a oh my history well, of it was different. Damn young kids! Like, it was different. You know, there was you, don't, you don't remember the nineties? Like, <laughs> oh, I mean, it was. What is it with you? We are yeah. still equalizing to where it's supposed to be. Is yes. the way I just oh, certainly, certainly. we're just not back to where it's certainly. I mean, to where it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's 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 equalizing. But just, sure. I mean, just going back to the financial side of things again. You know, when I, I tell the story of how you know. I had to cobble together this and that and couldn't get a loan. You know, no one wanted to invest in us. And then a couple years later, now it's the hip thing to do is to invest in a brewery. Well, that's similar to kind of how things went in the 90s. You had a lot of the pioneers, you know, the Sierra Nevadas and, and people like that that really pioneered things, totally, you know, bootstrapping it up. And then in the late 90s, all of a sudden, people said, hey, we can make money doing this. And then the investment bankers and the whatever, you know, venture capitalists got involved and started, you know, four and five million dollar breweries that were going to distribute in 13 states right out of the gate and they didn't know anything about what they were getting into and all of a sudden they were making a lot of crappy beer and shipping it all over the country and it was going bad and you know the whole thing kind of took a step backwards i'm not saying that that's happening or that's imminent but i worry that just because of the way money is kind of starting to flow into you know 
startup projects or breweries that may not be that well thought out. Well, or I, I if, worry if, that we might end up there. Or, yeah, if anybody who thinks they can make beer can get a loan or get an investor and then they're making, you know, they open their brewery and their beer's not any good, well, then that's sort of, I guess, kind of... That's not um, to say that bad breweries won't close, but... That's not a beer bubble. That's a bad business. No, closing. exactly, no, I, exactly, exactly. I, I'm not on the bubble thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're on the bubble thing. No, so. I'm not on the bubble thing. That, that's why I call it. Nat- I'm done I call with it, it natural attrition. Natural attrition. But Fair. part of that also is it, it, it's dependent upon uh, the people in that community, or you know, the the beer drinkers in that area. And people in Cincinnati are thirsty. Like, still, you see it every time. Oh, the certainly, place opens. absolutely. Well, I know that the they fact are. that we have but neighborhood they also, breweries, but they also and this is going to get me in trouble more than anything I say tonight. Think about By it. By and large, lo- I'll say it. I'll say it anyway because I've drank a few beers. Should we put like some kind of echo no, on? No, no, or no, no. I've 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 drank a few beers. So say anyway, voice like, but you know, people in this town are thirsty, and that's awesome. But by and large, not everybody in this town has a very good palate yet. I'm and I'm. It's a very sweeping generalization. I know that'll get me in trouble, and I'm not saying it's individual to any particular What's a person. Good palate? If just being able to tell like particular, just obvious off flavors and things, you know, I agree some, with you. Th- yeah, I, I mean, I'm not talking about like being able to discuss the nuance, like we're talking earlier about hops, you know, the nuance of, of Braxton's whole melon, single hop beer versus Rheingeist's whole melon, single hop. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being able to taste when a beer is infected and say, that's not good that should not be sold um versus oh man this is great because it got me drunk you know <laughs> or because so and so made it this is great or, and, and it's not even it's not so much about name or name recognition uh, take that totally out it's just it's just a total a quality in general standpoint and it's again periscope I'll, says it's just sour <laughs> Well, so so there was a thing a couple of years ago that came out. I can't remember what it was. Something on I don't know YouTube or somewhere on the internet. And it was it was like it was called like shit beer geek say or something. It was this little video thing. It was funny. So hell, these like hipster guys, right? And it was all these different things they would say. And one of the the best one in it was this guy takes a sip of this beer and he goes, "Oh my god, that's infected." Unless they meant for it to be that way, in, w- <laughs> in which case it's awesome. You know, so there was know, there was a good comment just now that. There's a lot of problem with um, fermentation, with people not understanding yeast and, yes. and, and the care I, that I yeast would, needs. I, w- I would, I would argue that there's some of that, and that's. I mean, and I'm not just saying since now. I'm just saying in general right. terms. There's, there's certainly some of that, and you know, there, there's when we started. You know, we started on a shoestring for sure. We, you know, a lot of used equipment, a lot of cobbled together stuff, but there were certain aspects of the operation that, to me, could not be compromised. Um. And I'm not saying it's happening, but um, you know, I see it potentially on the horizon that some people are willing to compromise some of those things, which to me are like indisputable things. You you can't do it that way. And there's some people that are like, oh yeah, we're just gonna do that because it's because we can't afford to not do it. And to me, it's like, well, if you can't afford to do that, then you should wait and not start up yet. But again, totally sweeping generalizations. I'm or you not- should, or you shouldn't listen to your accountant. <laughs> well, most I think it's, I think for most of them they don't even have an accountant at that point. But well, okay. um, but no, I mean, it totally, you know, totally just speaking in a very generic term, not about anybody specific. It's just those are the kinds of things that worry me at night. Like, right. is this what's going to happen? Is this happening? Are we trending this way? You know. Okay, we've got some business to do. Right. Uh, we've got to uh, 
I'll quit talking. Out. No, well, that's cool. <laughs> uh, because we did make you a part of this with some of the questions. Uh, but we did have a uh, question of the week last week, and that was to name Tina's concoction, her... Concoction? Hop, I'm a her, professional. Her hop water. Well, it was still a concoction. It was, that, was my, water, that was my craft cocktail, her please. Her hop water craft cocktail. And uh, Tina, if you'll remind us of the recipe, please. It was... Um, <laughs> I made my own uh, hop water blackberry simple syrup. It was half a ju- uh, the juice of half of a fresh lemon. We had two ounces of Bombay Sapphire gin. Um, oh, it was an ounce and a half of this simple syrup, by the way. Um, and then three ounces of Mad Tree Shade, topped off with a splash or more than um, a splash of the original hop water. And, and the prize, the prize, the prize for the winner who was going to name the drink for us was going to receive a four-pack assortment of the hop water itself, hop uh, the various flavors, which are the original, the lime, the ginger, and the grapefruit. A hop water hat, some stickers, some coasters, some cups, poster, uh, and a and a hop water original poster, and we had some uh, we had some responses. This is a great contest. I yeah. like to see my friends. Uh, there were some good ones. Yeah, my fr- my friend my friends and family and fans. There was also some people that that entered more than it was fair. <coughs> Scott Lau. <laughs> <laughs> we took Scott Lau's hop goza the berry. Uh, that was one that he had. J.M. Hammond had Hop Goza the Ginberry. Um, Brandon Dawson, who was uh, the man from Hop Water uh, that we met last week, and we really enjoyed meeting uh, Brandon, Tony, and Paul from Hop Water last week. Uh, his suggestion, which I think is what is going to be the official name of the cocktail on the Hop Water website. That's definitely my vote. Is three ounces of shade. <laughs> Uh, I like that one. Then yeah. we had our friend uh, Alice Ladrick uh, said that she liked Shady Lady, which I really like. That's pretty good. Uh, That's the runner-up. Mary well, we, Ladrick we can't give the win to Brandon either. Though, so, I mean, well, uh, hold on. Out. I don't think it was. I don't think was. I don't think that was. I think it was Alice was the the winner. Alice is the winner. Oh. Yay! But not with not no not with Way shady lady. The- <laughs> not with shady lady. It was because I I don't know why you have Mary written down because I don't think Mary did it. Okay. Or am I just dumb? Go ahead. Okay. Well, Alice. Did I make a mistake? I made a mistake. Obviously, I made a mistake. It's my program. If there's a mistake, none it's of us my know fault. what's going on. It's it's it speaks to me. It's your program. You don't have to apologize for making a mistake though. It's the internet. We do what we want. Yeah, it's just me. Um. Speaks to JM's me as a, as a former English teacher. Speaks to me as um, a Please. fan of all literature. This one is going to be called Hoppleberry Gin. Hoppleberry Gin. Yes. I like that one. Who and so was that? Who, and so who's going to get the prize? That was Alice. Alice. Okay. So I misspoke. I believe. Alice, Alice's, Alice's entry was Hoppleberry Gin, and that's the one that is going to win the Hop Water Prize Pack. We'd like to thank everybody for Yay. participating. If I had my sound effects, I'd hit my applause. Wait a minute. There we go. <laughs> so that is... Oh, wait a minute. New question of the week. We kind of glanced on it a little bit this afternoon, but we never really oh, talked I, about I, it or I decided think it, I think anything. it was the... I think it was yours, the one that you said. 
I don't even remember what that was. I've been um, drinking. It, it kind of, I guess it kind of goes along the same lines as something we, that we would like Scott and Blank Slate to do. What is the Cincinnati beer that you wish you could oh, get yeah. packaged, you know, you know, that you wish not pushing you towards packaging beer or anything, but, <laughs> so but maybe something that was like a one-off in a tap room or tap room only or seasonal or a, like a like not just not like a one-off a beer or, that is a normal beer that's just not being packaged that you want sure. in your fridge at home. I know mine real quick right away. Identity crisis. I think you'd hear a lot. Of, I think I'd second that too. I think you'd hear a lot of people that would like to have identity have a nice bottle of identity crisis queued up ready to go oh, in yeah. there, uh, that's fridge. i think that's been called for for a while i'm gonna go with one that's a little you know, scott cover your ears i'm gonna go with old firehouses goza yeah i love it and it was yeah. it was however based no, based off of your goza 100 percent. oh i know i know when they were <laughs> opening and i uh i went I'm, in there to I'm, talk to them for the first time she said we're, we're gonna do a goza after we get open do you want to know what we're, we're trying to do and she said come here i got this and Ben had gotten a hold of a bottle of Yorgoza, <laughs> and we cracked it open and we tried. It. And that was the first time I had tried it, and it just absolutely blew my socks off. No, I already knew that. No worries. <laughs> and what about I, you? Are, do I, you I, agree I, with identity crisis? I, so I, I would not be surprised, and I don't have any inside information. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I I could see that being a four pack beer, like a special release oh, yeah, four pack can. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe not so much the bottle side. I mean, the bottle side. I think they're looking more towards the barrel stuff for the bottles, but. You know, I a would. 16-ounce can, did you say? Uh, no, well, no, it, it, like they did no, with like, like like like, Citra High and, yeah, and like uh, Galaxy pack. High. Yeah, just right. a, a four-pack, 12-ounce. I could see that happening at some point for cool. them. Again, I don't I, have any I inside information on it. I can see it, it in a bottle. I, I, I think that they're more likely to go Well, I was going to say, I'm interested in aging identity crisis a little bit just oh. to see what happens. We got a shout-out for Opera Cream Stout, and I, <laughs> I might have to that, change my answer. Yeah. I like the espresso. I never got any. Yes, we tried it on the show. Did I? Yeah. I thought yeah. I didn't get in. It. it was right pretty on early on, like one of our first yeah, few yeah, We loved it. We're going to try to make some more of that this year than we did last year. It was that fantastic. Was, that one went a little sideways on us. All right. Well, there we have it. Uh, we have that. Uh, don't Not forget packaged, to respond though. to us, uh, CB, uh, hashtag CBCQOTW, for, que- for your question of the week answer. And... Um, We'll give away uh, we'll give away another Cincy Brewcast T-shirt to the winner of our since we've kind of run out of prize packs. I might have uh, like two stickers left too, two gnarly gnome stickers we could throw in there. Okay, we'll throw a couple of gnarly gnome. I got, I got a little bit of hop water stuff left all too. We'll throw some hop water stuff in there too. So I might have some stickers, stickers in the car. Okay, <laughs> we might have some all right. Stickers Sounds too. good. All we'll right. see. So that's another edition of Asked and Answered. Just a few minutes we've got left. We've uh, put another long one in the books. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't we actually don't have, have any minutes I'm left. Here. I'm I'm pretty windy at some point, so I apologize. <laughs> no, it's I'm man, it's all been, this is a it's great, all great been stuff. absolutely fantastic stuff, though. Um, My wife's going to be mad at what time I get home, though. Well, yeah. So Sorry, honey. Sorry, dear. Um, She's actually not even listening right now. <laughs> My wife will be asleep by the time I get home, so. So let's so, party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that gotta, would be, like, that I would still be got great. another beer to open. We got growlers. So. Yeah, we got a lot of beer to drink. Where uh, where do we find you in your free time uh, as far as uh, other breweries, Scott? or uh, me? Oh, me? Ho- yeah, different hobbies. I don't even or... know what free time is anymore. Yeah. I have none. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually feel really bad because, you know, I, you know, on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, you know, <laughs> of course I follow everybody in town. 
but it's you know i feel really bad because like guys would be doing special releases of this or we tap this new beer and this and that half the time i don't even get to them anymore and it, it actually drives me nuts i mean like you were talking about the braxton whole melon the trophy beer. i wanted to try that beer i haven't made it um i know they just it's a coincidence t- we're gonna be live at braxton next week you should come down all right i'll, I'll see if i can. well no I, I'll uh, buy you yeah i'll be back by then i'm gonna be out of town for you yeah, i'll be back by then uh but, you know and like they just tapped the new dortmunder i really want to try you know so there's always beers coming out just at the other breweries in town that i, just, I never get a chance so i feel like an ass because i don't make it because i have no well we all kind I'm of suffer the same beer face. i'm not yeah, brewing beer and I, it's hard to keep yeah. up with uh, it's, hard, it's hard to get there. oh yeah if yeah you, i mean i'm if you I'm have quote a full-time unquote, job it's hard to get i mean I'm, to get to I'm, these things. I'm quote unquote on the inside and i can't keep up well with that's it. I, and i mean me too i'm you know bar restaurant industry person i work on the weekends when they have all, right, all the let's, events let's throw it out there when you when you make a new beer send a bottle to scott just put it in the mail. Wrap it up. <laughs> FedEx, don't tell them it's beer. Just put it Actually, in why don't you tell them to send it to the Cincy Brewcast, to the Cincy Brewcast studios, studios and we'll make sure Scott gets it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two bottles. They'll save me the backwash, yeah. Hey. Which of your beers do you like the best? Which is, I mean, uh, what do you, I mean, I know they hate. It's yeah, like asking what your know, favorite child is. is. That, so that's usually the answer I give. It's like asking what your favorite child is. To which my answer, which, which with my my dad, I know it's me. Well, so. to which my answer is always, it's like asking which is your favorite child, and the answer is always whichever one pissed me off the least. <laughs> yeah. Or it depends on what day of the weekend. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I actually, so right now I actually do have an answer to that. Um, I have been drinking the crap out of the Pills and Mosaic. Culture oh man. Yes. Maybe it's just because, you know, you get used to drinking all the regular stuff and whatever, whatever, and then you make something new, and, okay, that's your favorite beer. Um, that is so solid. It really is yeah, just I'm, solid I'm beer. very, very happy with, with that. That was Collins' beer. I can't take credit for that. That was our assistant brewer, or my assistant brewer, Collins' uh, idea. Uh, so I can't take credit for it, but, man, I'm very happy that came, how that came out. And it's one of those things where if I had some actual reliable source of mosaic hops, we'd probably consider making it much more often. But we got one little box of it that we actually bought from Matry. So it's funny, that beer, so it's a single malt, single hop. So it was Pilsner malt, which we had, mosaic hops, which we got from Matry, and cold sheese, which we got from Matry. So mostly that beer is actually a Matry beer. Um, <laughs> You know, if it was not for the, if it was not for them, that beer would not exist. So, well, you know, speaking of but, Dad, I heard some news that uh, that Mad Pills is coming back. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> I'll be the ju- I'll be the judge of that. I just can't wait for turn for the worst. It's it, it's in the tank right now. Oh God! <laughs> we, we brewed twice as much as last year. So and, yeah. and and instead of having it come out in October, which is way too late, we're actually going to have it come out before Oktoberfest. So. Uh, we did have a question on Periscope, and I almost forgot to ask it. Are you doing an Oktoberfest? Yes, we're doing Turn for the Worst, our saucy <laughs> spiced Oktoberfest. Um, so no normal Oktoberfest. Oh, God, no. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> no Marzen? There you go, there, Chef there, Antonio. There'll, there'll, there'll be 15 of those out there, and you know, 10 of them will be very, very good quintessential I wonder what would happen if you infused a beer brat with Turn for the Worst. That I don't know. But I, I do recommend uh, when we have it on in the tap room, we'll also be doing the uh, uh, relish version, which is Turn for the Worst with a shot of pickle juice in it. Oh my sound, god! It, it sound, you it finally sound, got your pickle beer. It sounds it sounds it sounds ridiculous, but seriously, like it, it came about kind of by accident because someone actually gave us like a, you know the old the old school like big jar of dill pickles on the corner of the bar when we first opened, and uh, we sweet. had turned and we had turned for the worst at the time. So I started playing around like taking shots of just the pickle brine and putting that beer in. It tastes like a sausage with relish. <laughs> 
but in a good way. Wow. So what's, what's anybody, bad about a sausage with relish? No, anybody, I mean, anytime I you describe and like six percent alcohol. When so. you describe turn for the worst in words, it sounds terrible. But man, that what is I, such a good beer. When we first talked about doing it, because the very, very, very beginning of it, so we did it two years ago. We did like a, I don't know if it was a five or a ten gallon like test batch, and we took a, it was a six barrel keg. I think we did two six barrel kegs. It was one we took to an Arthur's event, and one we took to a, a Listerman event. Uh, yeah, and when we decided to do that, we're like, this sounds like the worst thing we could ever possibly think of doing. And then we did it like a little test batch, and we're like, holy crap, that might work. We tweaked it around a little bit, changed it around a little bit, but you know, then we did a, a batch of it last year, and we're like, yeah, that actually sounds disgusting, but it works. So cool. It's amazing. I the I, I have notes that I keep on every brewery that I just, you know, update as time goes on. And the, the very first one under you is gastronomically inclined. Like <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, very yeah. first thing. That, that's great, man. That's awesome. To that's me what is I want. centered around food. That's it's, it's, it's everything that's, you do. And it's, that's exactly the way we're it. trying to play it. Do Good. you do you cook at home? Are you a Frustrated well, chef I, in a way? Or? I don't as much as I used to, just uh-huh. you know, because of the whole time factor. But you know, when we were talking about you know how we make beers and the way we look at recipes, it kind of came from just how I used to cook. Is like, you know, I didn't have the imagination to come up with anything specifically new off of the top of my head because it would always be weird. But I would always look up recipes and stuff and be like, you know what, I like that, but I don't like this part of it or that part of it. So I would always pull find recipes and then cook them with like. 70 to 80 percent of what you were supposed to do and another you know 20 or 30 percent of like off the you know off on my own kind of thing right and that really kind of came into how i brewed as well i was like all right well you know 70 percent of this beer is an oktoberfest 80 78 percent of this beer is a straight up oktoberfest but then we're going to do something you know we're going to throw some extra stuff in it at the end and make it kind of our own so is that why is that why you've coming kind of back around to the where we started out with in the tasting is that why you you enjoy the collaboration with uh, uh orchids at palm court is that part of the reason you wanted to wanted to work with them yeah oh yeah well, and don't forget yeah. don't forget bon bonnery as well yep yeah. bon bonnery yeah i mean then, my my goal starting out was i wanted to be more food based i wanted to really start to try to play up the food and beer pairing side of things and it it's been a very long slow tough slog uh, but I think we're finally starting to get there. But my whole thing was like, you know, talking to bars about pairing things and this and that. And most of them just look at you like glossy eyed, like, what are you talking about? You know, but we're, we're getting there. We're making some strides. And, and that's really what I want to do. I want to kind of elevate beer into that food side of the world and be like, you know, you look at it as, and I always mess this number up. I really need to look it up and fact check myself. But you can look at it as like, again, the numbers will be, the scale is correct, but the numbers are wrong. When you look at wine, there's like only a finite number of flavors you can have in wine. It's like 50 or 60 different flavor characteristics that a wine can have. And when you look at beer, the number is like five or 600. Again, I'm, that might not be the exact right numbers, but it's that kind sure, of scale. So sure. where it's, when you're talking about f- pairing food with wine or food with beer, there's so many more opportunities to pair food with beer than there is with wine. And that's what I'm real. One of the things that we're really trying to push. And I think I think it goes better with food anyway. There was there was a the carbonation big, and the there was know. a big shout out that I almost forgot to mention is okay. the, th- the three way beer. 
Oh, uh, since they three win. We're actually going to redo that one at some point. It didn't exactly come it, out like I wanted. It has but. to be on tap somewhere that serves Cincinnati chili. Well, that was one of the tricky parts is with that. Yeah, it was because because well, was there's a, really no chili parlors yeah, that have taps. Exactly, but it, I mean it was a long distance. Like collaboration. I'll drink a bunch of it and then go to Pleasant Ridge yeah. Chili, but. It was a long-distance collaboration. There was certainly things we had to kind of right. compromise to be able to make that beer happen. But uh, we've, we've actually talked about uh, doing that again, possibly as a collaboration locally uh, with some folks. So we'll see if that happens or not. Ooh. Last question. What? Are we, we're already like, how far what, over have I run you so far? Uh, what, what, what do you want to brew that you haven't brewed? Is there oh, good Lord. we can come down, come, you know, that we can... Be, be expecting besides some of the ones you already there's talked a about? Zil- there's a zillion different things. That, I mean, because of what we have to deal with, with from a capacity standpoint and just trying to keep up with, you know, the three or four popular things we have out there and just trying to keep inventory of that and dealing with being out of stock all the time, there's a whole bunch of things we haven't even got to even think about starting to brew yet. Uh, so, you know, but I also look at it as it's a terrible pun but i also like to look at it as you know don't shoot don't shoot your wad all at once kind of thing <laughs> so you know you, you, you got guys that are like you know every week they're cranking out two and three new beers and it's like that's great man but how much thought have you really got into all those you know yeah, and, and yeah. when you get you know you're gonna run out of ideas in like a year and right you know, so right. so you know as long as i've got a bank of things to try i feel you know like we're, and we're in good shape but there's a lot of different stuff out there that i we just haven't and, even got close and, to it. And yet. then it's funny because I was going back over your website today and it said you were. Oh, that thing's horribly be, out of well, date. Well, yeah, you weren't going to be brewing a lot of, you know, core beers or whatever, but you, you do, you do well, have, you know. Yeah, I mean, our, our a, original a, a idea solid was. core of beers yeah, that, you keep, that you keep on tap all the time. So the original idea was that we were going to be completely seasonal. Um, logistically, that was a nightmare. Uh, so we've, you know, kind of been moving away from that. But the also the idea with that was, all right, we'll, you know, brew some different things, flip them out there, change them by the seasons. But at the end of the day, you know, the instead of coming out from the gate and saying, these are our four core beers, it's a Amber and IPA or whatever, whatever, and force them down people's throat. The idea really was we're going to do this seasonal thing. We're going to put out different stuff. If out of that certain beers kind of rise to the top, and that's what people right, want, right? Absolutely. Then okay, fine. We'll absolutely. we'll change sure. gears and we'll brew those things year round. So like Fork in the Road is now a year round beer. Um, we're still kind of tweaking around. We're trying to make a couple other things be year round, but we always keep running out of them. So it's nothing's truly year round. But uh, as we start working towards packaging, we definitely have to like decide on some certain things that we're going to make all the time. So there's going to be a few of those, uh, you know, fork and rib being the first. And I always look at it as, you know, we'll we'll kind of roll with the punches and whatever people want, that's what we'll try to give them instead of just turn for the worst something else. year round. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, but I guess we the can people tell have what, demanded it. I think we can tell well, so far, so far, beer. I got one. That's your favorite blank slate beard as well. We'd like to thank Scott LaFollette from Blank Slate Brewing, BlankSlateBeer.com. Scott, thank you very much. Sorry, uh, I ran you long. Blank Slate's Poor House is located at uh, 4233 Airport Road, which is the street right across from the Lunkin Airport Terminal. And you can visit the Poor House. What are the hours over there right now? And are you going to increase them at all? Or? So right now it's Thursday from 5 to 10, Friday from 5 to 11, and Saturday from 1 to 11. And I will say one important note. If you show up at noon on a Tuesday, I will not pour you a beer. 
Okay. Uh, just can't do it because I'm brewing. I'm working. We okay. have we have I have one employee. Okay. And so we can't just stop in the middle of the day and fill people with growlers, which oddly enough, literally people will walk in at like noon on a Tuesday. What if you offer to shovel grain? Uh, well, <laughs> it, it would depend if we were ready to shovel grain up. But, but no, so those are ours right now. As far as increasing the hours, it's not going to happen soon. Um, we, you know, we always kind of continue to play it by ear and, and we'll, we'll play to whatever we need to do as far as demand goes. Uh, we're kind of in a nice spot right now as far as yeah. the hours that we're, that we're running. We just added back Thursdays for a while. We were only, we started out Thursday through Sunday. We actually cut back because it was just, it was killing me. Um, and then we just recently added back Thursdays. Uh, so we'll see, you know, as, as the time goes on, we'll add back as appropriate, but cool. And of course you can find blank slate beers at venues as varied as orchids, Palm court restaurant, great American bear ballpark and everywhere in between. And if you don't see it at your local watering hole, they've been living under a rock since 2011. So, uh, we'd like to remind everyone once again, that we will be appearing live at Braxton brewing company in Covington this coming Sunday, August the 9th. Uh, the program and our live Periscope TV broadcast will begin at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Visit BraxtonBrewing.com or CincyBrewcast.com for all the details. We'd also like to remind everyone that we are on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Vine. Our handle is at CincyBrewcast. Also, this podcast posts 12 to 24 hours after it's recorded on SoundCloud.com slash Mike at CincyBrewcast. Our RSS feed is on the front page of CincyBrewcast.com, and we are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Search Cincy Brewcast. For our guest, Scott LaFollette, for the Gnarly Gnome and for Tina Cisneros, this is Mike Cisneros thanking you for watching and listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.